This is the final word, India, England daily. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon with you after the first day of the second test match at Chennai. A fantastic day for India, one that wasn't without controversy. Jeff Lemon, tell us all about it in the space of 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, it was a great day of test cricket. England started well, took three wickets cheaply, shared them around, and then Rohit Sharma happened. He made 161, put on a partnership of 162 with Ajinkya Rahane in support, right through the middle part of the day, counter-attacked, and then they both fell in the last session. Rishabh Punt came in, smashed a few quickly. He's still there, not out overnight. Ravi Ashwin fell before the close. They're six for 300 exactly at stumps on a pitch that's taking a lot of turn. That looks a pretty good score after one day. It's a very good score. Jeff, don't tell me this test match is going to have a fourth or fifth day. If Joe Root is <laughs> jagging them and puffing them out of the dust and rough that seemingly already is well and truly on the track at this stage of the test match, I mean, 300 is already a very big score. I am almost certain, I am almost certain we're going to look back at Rohit Sharma's contribution as the defining one with the bat of this test match. I just can't imagine a scenario where this, where any team is going to have the ability to score in excess of 300 and they've still got four wickets in hand. They've had a fantastic day. It was a, a monstrous innings in, in terms of the scale of the contribution from Rohit Sharma. He was ahead of the Charles Bannerman mark for a lot of the day in terms of the proportion of runs that he'd made in the innings. And as you say, when you look back at the test match, he may well be a, a disproportionately high score versus anyone else. You know, Obviously, we'll see what England can do with it when they bat. But you did already have those puffs of dust coming up. You already had Jack Leach turning them a long way out of footmarks. There were footmarks after after about an hour of the first day, which usually tells you something. A fair bit of turn. Um, a lot of changes for both teams as well. I suppose we should try to navigate the ins and outs because there were four changes yep. for England, three changes for India. And it was kind of amusing listening to the, the, the English rationale of the different ways you can be left out of the English team, where you, know, you can be dropped or rested or sent home or, um, or injured. But then it was also funny that people were getting so mad about this you know, about the different ways of describing it because there are different reasons that players are left out of teams and, and that was the case. Can we have a bit more love for Rohit Sharma here, please? In terms of the overall record, he averages 84 at home mm-hmm. and 27 away. Let's forget about that. But he's 7th century on home soil. Uh, he made it to 50 in the space of 47 balls, a fraction more sedate thereafter, bringing up his century in 130 deliveries. But the way he was able to take it to the England attack... For mine, it felt as though he made a calculation in the first half an hour that to try and hang around on a track like that is not a sustainable game plan, that he needed to make the runs while the pitch was moderately fresh in in a way that could insulate the team against quick wickets later in the day. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think it it was telling that they lost three wickets so cheaply, right? So Shubman Gill leg before wicket to Mm. Ollie Stone for a duck. Ollie Stone's uh, first wicket, is it, in Test cricket or... or no, but he took it. He took three against he Ireland. Took some against Ireland a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. but you know, to, to get the ball rolling, having been brought into the team, uh, Virat Kohli bowled for a duck by Moeen Ali with one that turned a long way out of um, what was already starting to be the rough. And Chiteshwar Pajara gone for twenty-one. Now, normally, if you'd had naught yep. naught twenty-one in your top four, the team would be about three for thirty. But because Rohit Sharma was out there, they were three for eighty-six because <laughs> he was absolutely <laughs> flogging them down the other end. And so it meant that that early collapse didn't feel as 
urgent or as disastrous as it was. And that was because he was being so positive at getting down the wicket to the spinners, trying to take any sort of turn or rough out of the equation, um, hitting down the ground. He played that big pickup shot over mid-wicket um, off the fast bowlers for six. He was he was absurd, really, how cleanly he was able to counterattack and hit the ball when everybody else was struggling. He added 162 with Ajinka Rahane, uh, the vice-captain. Some people were insisting on Twitter last week to me that Rahane had to go, that he was too inconsistent, notwithstanding the fact that he'd led the side to one of the most famous victories in the history of Test cricket just three weeks earlier, that there wasn't a place for him in the top six of the Indian side. Well, he, he, uh, he put that to rest once again, that very important partnership that spanned the first session until the third. And again, an experienced player who can play with soft hands. He's a role player as well because Rohit Sharma was going so hard at it for his 1-6-1 that Rahane didn't need to play too aggressively. He could play within himself and play a role. Yeah, I think that was exactly right. And he knew that he just needed to to stick around and support Rohit Sharma, and that's what he did. And, and Rohit's been threatening to do this for his last few test innings since he came back into the Indian test side in Sydney. He's been playing aggressively at the top. He's made a couple of half centuries. Mm. He's looked like he's been on for a big day. It just hasn't quite happened. He's found a way to usually find a fielder in the deep. Today he had that big day before he did find a fielder in the deep on 161, sort of slog sweep off Jack Leach out there. Um, Jack Leach bowled pretty well. I thought he got that wicket of Pajara early and there'd been a lot of scrutiny on Jack Leach's record in the first innings versus the second of test matches. He's He's got a, a good record bowling last, for instance, if he's in the fourth innings, but um, has been smashed around a bit in the first. So he got that important wicket early. Um, and, and then Moen being another of the inclusions. So in terms of all the players that got chopped around, Don Bess left out for Moen Ali, uh, Stuart Broad coming in for James Anderson, Ollie Stone coming in for Joffre Archer and Ben Folks coming in to keep wicket for Joss Butler. So three bowling changes, a wicket early for Stone, a wicket for Moen to get Virat Kohli for a duck. I mean, that's not for nothing. And it, it really felt like it should have been England's game when they got those three wickets cheaply early on. Yeah, and as far as England's day, I don't feel like they bowled too poorly. I mean, you look throughout. I mean, the fact that Stuart Broad only bowled 11 overs stands out to me, but you mentioned Stone, that early wicket of Shubham Gill. Bowls with serious pace, already getting the ball to tail into the right-hander. Yes, Rohit pushed back, as did Rahane, but I think Stone's got plenty to work with there. Mo and Ali, first day back in Test cricket since Edgbaston, uh, Jeff, in, in 2019. I must admit, I didn't think we'd necessarily see Mo and Ali play Test cricket again uh, on the basis that Bess and Leach had clearly overtaken him in the pecking order but that slither of a little opportunity on the basis of the way that best bowled on the final day last week at Chennai got Moeen into the team and he bowled with pretty good confidence I mean it must be said he did go around a little bit compared to Leach as far as his economy rate was concerned but two big wickets and of course that of Coley early on uh, which was the the moment of the day which we kind of brushed over to this point yeah, it's a toss-up of a day for Moen, I guess, because he really put a lot of work on the ball and he got it to turn a long way. Yeah. Coley tried to cover drive out of the rough very early on, which he likes to do, got beaten by the turn. Um, he misread the line. Ajinki Rahane misread the length, tried to sweep when it was too short to play that shot and, and it beat him turning in sharply as well. So it hit the stumps both times. But he went for over 100 runs. He went for well over four and over in, and I think in the context of this test match, that's important. You know, a, a, a bowler going for 100-plus on the first day before the innings finished, is that's going to hurt England, notwithstanding the wickets that he picked up. 
Uh, Jeff, can I have a bit of a rant, please? Uh, the decision yep. review system, uh, which, of course, uh, is always subject to scrutiny, given it's only relatively new to the game, only 10 years in or whatever. So it's still fine-tuning it. But one area that we've been big on in recent times is that uh, there has been human error with the application of technology, not just last week, not just at Gaul a couple of weeks ago, but consistently, whether it used to be the way the front foot was overseen and sometimes some umpires would, would consider the front line to mean one thing or another, many, many stumpings. Uh, and today we saw one at bat pad. We saw a stumping as well, but we'll, we'll move past that hmm. and go straight to the bat pad opportunity. Um, look, it was a, a bizarre situation where the third umpire looked at the ball on the way in, but not the way out. Why was he rushing through the process? It took Mark Butcher to point out on the television, a gutsy move, by the way, given that his commentary contracts with the BCCI uh, and he's identifying where something's gone wrong on the field. Hmm. So that's probably a conversation for another day as well. But nevertheless, we saw in the replay, there was a huge huge chunk of glove taken on the way through. And I'm not suggesting anything to do with, you know, systematically bad umpiring, anything like that. I'm not trying to talk about home ground advantage or any of that junk. I'm simply saying that the third umpire position is a specialised one. Why haven't we reached a stage where we can have a mature conversation about centralising their activities, ideally in some sort of hub, which means they don't need to be at the ground and they don't yeah. need to be just the other umpire who's rostered off that week? I don't think you even need to go that far with this one. This was just a failure of process because the umpires on the field didn't relay what was going on on the field. Now, this is a ball yes. that came in, uh, missed the edge of Rahane's bat, hit his pad, brushed his glove on the way out and popped up to short leg. Uh, the appeal went up. It was given, not out. England reviewed. And when they saw the review happening on the screen, they didn't see the bit that they had actually reviewed. And they made that explicit to the umpires. Joe Root oh, yeah. went and yeah. gestured and showed them and said, this is what I want you to check, and they just didn't do it. They And I don't know whether that was the third umpire saying he wasn't allowed to or whether that was the on-field umpires not relaying the information, but surely it shouldn't be impossible for the on-field umpire to say upstairs, this is what you need to look at, this is what we need reviewed. I mean, that's how they do it for a bump ball, that's how they do it for I mean, yeah. you know, checking whether Virat Kohli got bowled at the top of middle stump or whatever it might be. The on-field umpires have to ask the third umpire what they want looked at and that just didn't happen I don't know why it didn't happen or how it didn't happen but there must have been a concession that there was a mistake because as far yeah. as I know England's review got restored England lost a review for that but I think they got their review back because it was a clear glaring error because the camera even without Snicko or Hotspot or anything showed clear contact between the bat and the glove so I don't know how the process got it so wrong um, but it didn't end up costing them much because Rahane was out shortly afterwards but yeah it was a, a failure your process. Yeah, all's well that ends well. And as you say, the, the review has been restored. So it didn't have a material effect on the game with Rahane out. I think it was later in the same over indeed to Mo and Ali. But I suppose the point remains that we have got a system which is under so much scrutiny. And here's an easy efficiency, I think, an easy way to make it better is to deploy. I don't care how old they are. Uh, I, want, I want experts in the application of technology more than I want uh, members of the elite umpiring panel, very different jobs. So maybe mm. this might advance uh, that conversation as we move through. Uh, Jeff, our player of the day, uh, who were you looking at? Uh, I think it's a pretty easy one today. 161 <laughs> runs out of 300 so far. He's still got more than half the runs and he was out well before stumps. So Rohit Sharma is unrivaled. I mean, this pitch is turning. It was notable to me that Joe Root was 
bowling himself in the 80th over rather than taking the new ball um, and getting yeah. it to turn appreciably. Um, yeah, he bowled well. They ended up taking the new ball halfway through the 86th over when Ollie Stone was was bowling, um, and I liked the fact that as soon as they took it, Akshar Patel clipped the first ball with it off his pads for four. You know, thank you very much. <laughs> Please take the new ball. So that's the position that they'll be in when they start day two, a, a newish ball and probably the, the faster bowlers operating. Yeah, Root picking up a late wicket as well, that of uh, Ravichandran Ashwin, who who got one to bounce from around the wicket, which is going to be more and more a part of this game. I'm sure when Ashwin's bowling, uh, he'll be thinking he can take an absolute truckload of wickets uh, on this surface when his opportunity arises at some stage tomorrow. Uh, Jeff, we have a Hall of Fame member to induct, mm. and I don't think we can go any further than the Indian captain. We haven't talked about that moment. No, uh, I've been saving it too. <laughs> it's the only thing it has to be it if there's ever been the most obvious Hall of Fame inductee here it is uh, where he was bowled he was bowled middle stump he was bowled as you say advancing to a ball out of the rough trying to drive extravagantly through through cover rather and and having batted so nicely earlier in the week uh, at this same ground it was an early error before he had scored the fifth ball he'd face I think from memory and bent back the middle stump and Virat just stood there and stood there and stood there and almost intimated to his batting partner and the central umpire that something untoward may have occurred. Maybe the wicketkeeper's gloves had flicked the bales or something like that. Usually that would be laughed off. It would be like, mate, get off the ground. But I suppose force of personality, they did review it and it does make for some amusing watching back. Yeah, it wasn't a player review. It was the umpires just double-checking to, yes. to find out um, whether he'd actually been bowled. I, I think maybe Coley was wondering whether he'd been stumped rather than bold because he just wasn't expecting to have been beaten so comprehensively. But, yes, he did. He just hung about. It was very WG Grace. You know, the, the bales were off, but he was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just wait out here until I'm extra doubly, triply sure I'm out. And the replay did indeed show the ball smashing the top of middle stump. My other nomination, which we'll lose, but my other nomination would have been right in the last over of the day, there was a lot of bickering between uh, Rishabh Punt and Ben Stokes and Joe Root because Rishabh oh, yes. was trying to make sure that another over wasn't bold. He was mucking around and gardening and they were getting annoyed and all the rest of it and in the end the extra over was bold ollie stone bowled it uh bowled a short ball and rishab smashed it on the pull shot for four and brought up india's 300 so the extra over did not hurt them very much at all quite enjoyed that little bit of byplay yeah, a good way to end. Actually, I should note that uh, Richard Punt's already 33 not out at the close of play. And he's, uh, well, he's employing the same approach that he did in the first test match and at Brisbane and Sydney as well. He's a man who plays without fear. And that's why they've made it to 300 uh, by stumps. England only bowled 88 overs today, despite 60 of them, I think it was, uh, sent down in spin, which is a, another question, another problem altogether. How are they not getting through 90 overs when... 60 of them are spin, but nevertheless, they'll return tomorrow, Jeff, with India in a fantastic position. If they're somewhere near 350 uh, when they're finally dismissed and they're able to deploy Ashwin and Kuldeep Yadav, who's had so much success at home over the years, uh, they're going to be a handful. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Akshar Patel in for Washington Sunda, Kuldeep Yadav in for Shabazz Nadeem, uh, and Mohamed Siraj is back in the team too as they're resting Jasper Boomerah. Yep. So, yeah, the three changes, a fresh quick, a couple of spinners. Um, it should be a lot of fun to watch on day two. That it will be. England need quick wickets, and then they need someone to go deep. Maybe Joe Root can do it again. Time will tell. We'll let you know all about it on the final word, India, England Daily. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon with you remotely throughout the course of the week due to the coronavirus lockdown. But we'll be here every single day on YouTube and every single day on the podcast feed. Look us up. Talk to you tomorrow. I had to go about it, write it out and